You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Welcome to Break a Bat, coming at you from the Broadway Podcast Network Studios. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, and alongside me is my producer, Alan Seals. That's when I say hi. Yeah, that's that's you got me with a mouthful of protein bar. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say, uh, is that the way like you come back to the show? Everyone's been asking about where you've been after the Ashley Williams episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Scheduling conflict, but right now I have a dinner conflict, which is why I'm eating during your intro. Mm. Wow, isn't that? He's such a selfless guy, isn't he? He's a favorite among the bat heads, so I'm happy that he's back with us today. And uh, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, we've got a great show in store for you today because we're joined in studio by a very special guest from the acting world and. I'd say from a baseball perspective, probably one of the more versatile players in the game. Think uh, along the lines of Mac, Max Muncy on the Dodgers or even here in New York with Jeff McNeil. He could play a lot of different positions and more importantly, he could play them all very well. You know, whether it's on TV uh, with The Wire and True Detective and then, of course, here on Broadway uh, with The Book of Mormon and The Prom. And now, Alan, I don't usually speak for you on this show, do I? No, never. <laughs> The latter, one of one of our favorites in recent years, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I'm super excited about this one. So uh, that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate just beyond the marquee. <laughs> now batting, Michael Potts. What's up, Mike? What's up? How you doing? <laughs> Good. I mean, I know it's been a few months since the prom closed, but you know that you got to right. love that level of theatricality when you come back on the uh, Eighth Avenue. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Way more than I expected. Yeah, over the top is one way to put it. Well, it's Broadway. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's Broadway. What you been up to, man? Uh, recently. uh, Well, you know, the prom ended, and then uh, I left a little early to go shoot a movie. Uh, And then after that, came back and I've been doing some guest star stuff on a couple of shows uh, on the broadcast networks, and uh, last week did a uh, 29-hour reading of another potential two-Broadway musical, Car Wash. Had that last week, and then I'll be working, you know, totally different change of pace with Randy Eckert on some, you know, another music theater piece uh, that'll be coming up, I think, in the spring. So, is it Has it amazed you? You've been in the industry a long time. You mentioned that you do a reading for Car Wash. Some of these movies that they've managed to, you know, turn into right. musicals over the years. Well, here's the interesting thing. I, I didn't know someone informed me a bit of trivia about Car Wash, that it was originally written to be performed as a musical on stage. But it ended up, I don't know if that's true or not, but this is what some, a fellow actor told me in doing their research, that originally it was supposed to be a, a musical. And it ended up being a, a film. Movie musical, well, not even a movie musical, just a, a movie with music. Yeah. <laughs> this incredible soundtrack. <laughs> so it's coming home, I guess. Yeah, and w- which uh, part did you read for? Uh, well, in the movie, the, the the role is Daddy Rich. That's the Richard Pryor role. Oh, the funny and one. So okay. in this uh, reading, he's been he's Reverend Rich, as opposed to Daddy Rich. Reverend Rich. Okay. Reverend, I mean, the, the role was is a minister. Right. Was a bit of a minister in the movie. 
but I, I, I think to kind of update it or to take some of the stereotypical spin off of it, it yeah. was switch from daddy, yeah. from daddy rich to, uh, to Reverend Rich. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the guest spots too. I know you're a New York guy. Do you like to escape to LA to do those shows that you Oh, you know? sure. I'll, yeah. I'll go anywhere that, they, they, you know, it's a good role and they want to hire me and pay me and fly me out there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, uh, I mean, New York is home, is home base. I wouldn't want to, I'm not in LA. That's not my vibe. Uh, but I do go out there and visit, and I do enjoy the time that I'm out there, as long as I know I'm coming back home. Is everyone a lot more low-key when you're shooting out there? I just get the vibe of L.A. Oh, no. Know? Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Big-budget stuff is always oh, tight. Oh, just huh? the opposite. Are you kidding? Wow. Oh, no, 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 no. It's very, very tense. Very, very tense, because it is big budgets. Lots of money uh, at stake. And people, I don't think people realize that it takes a, a bit of a small army to put together television shows and movies. That's a lot of money. And, uh, and, and time is money. Yeah. <laughs> time <laughs> is money in the, in the, in the television and movie industry. So it can be, it can get really, really tense sometimes. Did you know that going into it when you set out on this? No, no, no. All, all of it. I mean, who knows? When you fresh, uh, you, you first come out of school, everything is OJT. To a greater or less extent, unless you had done something professionally before you went to school, uh, you wouldn't know. So you, you're, 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 it, it's baptism by fire almost. And you've had an incredible career, obviously. And you know, I, I know that you're a graduate of the Yale School of Drama. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you had ultimate training. Uh, you're viewed widely throughout the industry as you know being a consummate professional. You do things the right way on and off the stage. As far as we know, do you have some scandals that are coming up anytime soon? <laughs> no, I wish that was that interesting. But no, <laughs> you know, it just I, I want to get your take on this. Uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, it's expected that Derek Jeter is going to be unanimously unanimously selected to enter the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And you know, you've been in New York a long time. You've watched him play. Uh, you know, there's a dilemma right now among voters for the Hall of Fame and for fans. And I, you know, and I mentioned, you know, you being a consummate professional for this reason, because Jeter always did it the right way, the captain, uh, sixth all-time in hits, five World Series rings, all, you know, the whole nine yards. A lot of people want to give him his moment in the sun, kind of have him be the only one enter the Hall of Fame this year. Whereas, you know, you have other guys who are based on numbers equally qualified, like Clemens and Bonds, but they use steroids. Mm -hmm. uh, for someone who's always done things the right way, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, do you, it, how, how do you feel about this? Well, it, it, it's kind of apples and oranges in a way, uh, because in our business, uh, there are so many different ways to, to, I guess, to become a star or to, to get noticed in this business, and not everyone has the same level of craft or, or skill. Or nearly as professional, and I think you probably see them every day when you're watching television movies. So uh, I've tried to do it out of this notion of the right way for me has simply been about respecting the integrity of my craft. That's what's most important to me, um, and uh, basically. Uh, Subjugating my ego to the to the idea of, of the craft of telling the story, um, because I think it it honors the profession and you know sort of the the people who taught me taught me about the nobility of the profession and I try to carry that on. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think you know other actors may have a different perspective on that. Now, as far as this baseball and uh, uh, Derek Jeter, uh, a lot of these guys who have been inducted, I, I think they have been with a little asterisk. <laughs> yeah, there's the some name. cloud of suspicions. A little yes. asterisk uh, <laughs> next to their name. Um, there can be an argument that the steroids are simply enhancing what is already there naturally, you know, above average athleticism. So it enhances that. But I think if we we want to believe in a meritocracy, right? We want to believe that um, it's about hard work. It's about the natural gift and it's about the hard work, then yes, that should be rewarded. I think there should there um I would have some questions about people who got in enhanced. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who had a little enhancement. It would it would it I uh, I wouldn't want to put them on the same level as someone who actually did it. 
was an all-star, an outstanding player, a legendary player, simply on their own merit, on their own hard work and their own skill. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You talk about respecting your craft. Growing up, could you have ever have imagined, you know, you grew, you grew up in Brooklyn? No, I actually grew up in South Carolina. I grew up in South Carolina. Yeah, I grew up I'm in a sorry. very, very small town in South Carolina. Born in Brooklyn. Born in Brooklyn, grew right. up in South Carolina. Yeah. To make it all the way to the Yale School of Drama. First of all, what, you know, growing up so far from here, um, what spurred your interest in theater? <laughs> well, see, uh, you'll find, just as in music, with a lot of uh, African-American singers, uh, the church is the center of most communities. Uh, certainly smaller communities. And the church is a performance space. <laughs> if you've ever been to an African, any church, Catholic church as well. Sure. I mean, the costumes, the liturgy, all of that, the, the, the incense, it's the ritual of, of, of religion. So you grew up, you grow up in church. And so I began um, doing the little pageants that we would have. On Easter, we would have pageants. On Christmas, we would have pageants. About, and we would act out, you know, the crucifixion. We would act out the birth of, of Christ and things like that. So there was always performing. And uh, I sang in the choir, in the, in the various choirs. And so, so performance had always been a part of it. Um, getting to Yale and getting to New York, uh, that's all by accident. It wasn't anything that I was, I didn't have a plan for it. And honestly, when I started out, I thought I was going to be a cardiologist. I mean, that was the goal. And boy, did that make my mom very happy until it didn't. <laughs> until I decided that that wasn't what I was going to do. So, you know, I sort of gotten, got the, a little bit of the bug in about seventh grade. And, uh, sort of fumbled my way just back and forth. Never really took it seriously because as I was growing up, there weren't a whole lot of African-American men that I saw on television and in movies. We had Sidney Poitier. I think we may have had Ivan Dixon. So it wasn't something, because it wasn't seen as a career in my family, that's not a job, it's not something you do. So you never took it seriously in that way. How did you convince them? Was it with your talent? Convince my parents? Yeah, to let you go out and pursue it. Or you just kind of said, screw it, I'm doing it anyway. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I secretly applied to Yale. I did not tell my family. Uh, After high school, I had wanted to go into acting school, and uh, my mom staged an intervention one summer to dissuade me. Did you, like, get home from school one day, and all of a sudden there's, like, everyone in the room? That's exactly what it was. Wow. My mom dishing out food to a dining room full of people, including a neighbor, uh, who I didn't understand why she was there. She wasn't related. But it was all to dissuade me from uh, uh, this frivolous pursuit of show business. And so I did. I put it away for a long time. I put it away and decided to try and went to undergrad and decided I would try to do the pre-med thing and then moved from that to English and was slowly, slowly kind of being drawn back and into the performing arts. And so eventually I just decided because of a professor that I had in undergrad who had taught at Yale and, and, excuse, and brought it up to me. He said, you want to go to Yale? And he kept talking about it. I said, I don't know anything about Yale. I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, you do a little research. Um, but it still wasn't something that I saw myself doing. And then eventually I did and 
you know, going back, coming back to the whole notion of Broadway again, it was the uh, year that Fences was on Broadway. And I remember watching the Tony Awards that year, and it was James Earl Jones and Courtney Vance doing a doing the scene from Fences. And I remember watching that and being enthralled and went, okay, I recognize these people. These people sound like me. They look like me. I understand the situation. I can do that. And so I decided to find out where Courtney Vance had gone to school so I could do it too. And I found out it was Yale. And a year later, I sort of secretly applied without telling anyone and figured it was in the baseball. It was a Hail Mary. (laughs) It was a Hail Mary. It's the only place I applied to. And I figured if I got in, I was meant, it was one of those moments. If I get in, I'm meant to do this. If I don't get in, then I'm meant to do something else. So that's how that happened. It's amazing. Yeah, you kind of let the natural progression of the universe take its course. Just to, you know, it sounds like your parents obviously, uh, you know, they had their mixed feelings. But when you tell them that you get in, at that point, are they just so proud they can't even reprimand you? No. (laughs) Oh, not as much? (laughs) (laughs) No. I think it's my 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 little sister. She was she was blown away by it, but my mom was like, "Oh, what are you going to do about your job?" Because I think I was working at the city at that point. She was not. She wasn't having it. Wow. It took her a while to come around. Honestly, it took her quite a while. <laughs> nearly the entire time I was at Yale, <laughs> it took nearly that entire time for her to come around to the notion of. Okay, this is what you want to do. I guess I better get behind you. But no, she did. She was not. I get it. I get it. You've played some badass roles on television. Mm-hmm. These days, do most people recognize you more for what you've done on screen or on stage? On screen. And it's starting to pick up. Last few years, it has become more about stage. If I go and see a show nowadays, there'll be people in the audience who will... Who will recognized me from something they had seen me in, uh, a play they had seen me in here in New York or on Broadway or what have you. But still mostly on the outside, it's all about. It's, all, it's still about The Wire to these days. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I thank God for it. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it. But it is. It's mostly still about The Wire. That's actually one of my uh, my buddy Gene. That's his favorite show ever i'm pretty sure i I hear that a lot from a lot of people (laughs) favorite show ever it's interesting you know you play a character like that uh you know like brother mazone on the outside i I like to think of this as like a silent assassin in baseball like uh, bernie williams was a was the center fielder for the yankees Mm -hmm. jazz musician off the field very quiet very soft-spoken his nickname when he came up was bambi (laughs) <laughs> I, so, meanwhile, this guy could hit 450-foot home runs and make the all-star team every year. Brother Mazone on the outside was like so still and so composed, polite, uh, yet he projects an intensity from the inside that feels dangerous. How did you do that? Uh, uh, you know, you, you, you get the script, and I, th- I think I came upon the character more about little stage directions that the the writers put into it more so than um, anything I could come. It's just they had a way of saying, you you know, he'd say a line and then you'd have, he looks askance or he looks off. Um, so they would describe in a way what his reaction to a certain thing would be. And I started getting a sense of the character simply from that and just the language they would use. I mean, you would notice they would write him arias and the syntax he would use. So I had that, and then I also had my memories of, um, you know, old black and whites. When you watch these old shows and and news broadcasts and interviews, I've heard Malcolm X speak, so you knew what that is. You've heard the the infamous Louis Farrakhan, you've heard him speak. So you start taking that into account, and also uh, where my parents lived uh, in Prospect Heights, in Brooklyn, and then I would come into uh, bed Stuy to get uh, to pick up the train, and there would usually be, you know, a Nation of Islam brothers out there uh, selling out the Final Call. I think is the name of the paper, and so you'd hear them, you'd hear how they speak, you know, how they spoke. So I think that was all in the machine there, and, and it kind of made sense and fell together with the character. 
When you're in the midst of playing a role like that, that's so intense, do you find that your personality changes at all off screen? No, no, no. Um, you know, it's a great thing. You know, not to name drop, but you know, like Diane Weist would used to say, you know, you wipe your feet when you leave the theater. You wipe your feet. You leave that there. That's what you did there, and you go out. You wipe your feet and you become who you are. So no, I didn't feel that I was more intense. My family would tell you um, I am so far removed in their minds from that character. Uh, I had a cousin who would go, that's not my cousin. <laughs> because it did frighten them because they didn't know me that way. But in my mind, I'm playing, this is the character. My, my job, my craft is to embody as authentically as I can that particular character. That's who he was. That's where he lived. Uh, that's where Brother Muzon lived. That's not where Michael <laughs> lives. So I was able to leave that. I'm like, okay, done. <laughs> yeah. Done. Okay, that's that guy. Okay, cut, wrap. All right, cool. I'm let back me, to I'm back to me. Let me ask you the opposite of that. Do you, when you're having a bad day, or do you take anything from the outside in, onto stage with you, or into into the soundstage? They would always do that. Um, you know, because uh, we're supposed to be empathetic beings. And if we're open to it, all of that's going to resonate. We're bringing this, the cumulative of our experience to what we're doing. And so if something affects us in the day, yeah, it's going to have a resonance in how we play. That's why if you go and see a Broadway show uh, every night, there's something a little different in it, you know, over the course of the performance of a week. If you watch it eight times, you're going to find eight new things that an actor has done, and it could be because of what happened that particular day. It all resonates, because we're using, we're using us, we're using all of us, so it will be. The way you keep the consistency of the performance is just how, how I said, it's about the craft. It's, you still have to know what story you're telling, what your objectives are, what your actions are. But yes, I, I, there have been days I've walked on stage because you know something has happened just the moment before, or uh, something had happened earlier in the day, or even earlier in the week, that I had, you know, that troubles me. <laughs> but I still have to go and perform, and so it will show up. But hopefully it won't, but you, but you must not let it spoil the performance, spoil the, the performance you crafted. I was going to say to be able to separate that. That's, that's just the mark of a, a consummate pro. Like as I, well, you know, that's what you were taught. I mean, that's the that's the notion of technique. That's the notion of craft. It will be in there. It will be in. I think, um, I think television and movies probably appreciate it more because you're going to do several takes and people want whatever is in there to come out. They want to capture something. You know, they want to capture lightning in a bottle. And so you do it 15 times, and that thing that bugs you suddenly comes out in that particular line. They might go, oh, that's amazing. That's the take we want, and they'll take that because they want a mix of things that they can choose from. They want it as raw and as real as possible. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, when you've done Broadway and, you, and you're in rehearsals and readings, as far as your, you have your technique, obviously. Right. But... You know, when you're, how do you put the Michael Potts spin on your characters? Like, for example, let's take what uh, Principal Hawkins in the prom. Uh, and first of all, you know, kind of on the opposite side of the balls, Brother Mazzone in many ways. Very much, yeah. <laughs> take Very a, different guy. A lot of our listeners are big fans of the prom. So how was Principal Hawkins originally written? And then how did you put your own spin on it? Um, 
Well, the thing I got Principal Harkins is uh, the way the director and I, uh, Casey, Casey Nicola, and, and the creatives, Chad and uh, and uh, and Matthew. Um, they wanted him to be outside of the world of Broadway. They wanted everyone in Indiana to be sort of middle America, ordinary people who are just been invaded by this and, you know, these over-the-top Broadway personalities. And so <clears throat> it's easy because they're bringing one thing to the table. They're these over-the-top performers, and I'm just, I'm just this everyday guy in this town in Indiana who's just trying to teach his kids and keep them on the straight and narrow and uh, trying to remind every one of their better angels and let and, and that letting Emma go to the problem with her girlfriend. What is that? How does that harm you in any way? Who is that? We're all human beings. We're all trying to keep the peace. And so you look at him as sort of trying to be, I don't think you can't do that. You can't go and I don't think to myself, oh, I've decided I'm the moral compass of the <laughs> No. It is just, guys, take it easy. This is this is nothing. This is life. Let's just do what we need to do. This is not a big deal. And so that allowed me to make him sort of an easygoing, normal sort of guy. And as far as Michael Potts, I mean, I tend to be a more steady, easygoing type of person. I mean, I've got a nutty side that I can be, I like to laugh and, and, and things like, and so I can be a little, uh, <laughs> a bit of a, a card sometimes, but most times it's about being centered and being still and being quiet and being focused. So that's probably what I brought to, to Principal Hawkins, that with all of this other stuff going on around him, you know, the shouting from the PTA and, and, the, and the parents who are not cool with this and then the Broadway personalities, their big personalities. It's like you have to center yourself to try to, to make sense of the situation and to keep it focused on what was important and what was important was Emma. Keep the story focused on Emma and her right to be who she is. That being said, since it sounds like, you know, you kind of talk about, you know, being a pr pretty easygoing person yourself, when you had to work alongside the South Park guys, Matt and Trey, when you're doing Book of Mormon, completely different ballgame, huh? Yeah, but that plays into my nutty side. That oh, plays, yeah. <laughs> that plays into the kind of mischievous side of it. No, no. When I first, I, I howled, honestly, when I first, and they were, they were very apologetic. They worried that it was too much and people would be offended. And I remember them handing it to me. It's like, we completely understand. It's not for everybody. And if you don't want it, it's, it's you know, just let us know and it'll be okay. And I remember reading the song, Hasadiga, and I just, I howled. I, I couldn't, I said, I said, you're going to say this on Broadway? <laughs> and they went, yeah. And when I said, if you have the balls to write it, I guess I better grow the balls to do it. <laughs> It, it became that kind of that kind of challenge, and then when we did it, just the response to it was mind blowing. It was, it was pretty extraordinary. I've never had that experience before. Did you see Book of Mormon, Alan? Oh, yeah, several times. <laughs> to this day, arguably one of the three or four funniest shows of all time it has to be right. Well, I, I enjoy I enjoy Book of Mormon because it they have no shame, none, and it's not singling out a single gender or race or anything. It's just everything's messed up. Let's just Completely have a laugh. And smart. I mean, it's really, really clever because, honestly, when you look at it deeply, they're just making fun of us. <laughs> they're making fun of themselves and they're making fun of all of us by making it seem as though they're making fun <laughs> of Mormons in Africa. But no, no, no. <laughs> they're just doing this with a mirror and being shameless about it, you know. No, it was an extraordinary experience. And now you, now you were in the OVC. Did you ever get any pushback from the Scientology Church a few blocks away? Uh, no, they were having their own protests about something else down there. Uh, I think a few, one or two people from the Mormon Church may have said, but for the most part, I mean, I knew it. I said the Mormon Church, this is going to make them mainstream. They're going to eat this up. Said, so and they issued this wonderful statement about 
you know, how the Book of Mormon will entertain you for a night, but the Church of Jesus Christ, will, you know, will, will save you for a lifetime, something to that effect. And then they went and put a giant billboard in Times Square promoting the Mormon church. They, they were very, very smart. We done, and we got a lot of ex-Mormons who kept coming to the church. Kept, sorry, kept coming to the show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we thought we would have more trouble. We had, you know, security gates and everything at the door because we just knew we'd get pelted. I really knew, thought I would after Hasadiga. People would really come for it. No. No, I think we got two letters <laughs> that concerned us, so, concerned security a bit, but that was it. Everybody loved it. People got it. They got it. And it's still running. Isn't and that it's amazing? it's still running. Who knew? Who knew? I, you know, I laughed. I saw, uh, you know, I said, I said, this will last seven months. <laughs> <laughs> it's went, become this yeah, mega we, house. I went, we'll get seven months out of this. That's about it. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? So let me ask you this now. You know, I guess to that point, that was your first that that was your first lead, uh, real lead role in a in a in a Tony winner. To that point, I want to ask you something that's a bit of a sore subject among our yeah. fan base here. Do you think the Prom deserved Best Musical going up against Hades Town? Both great shows, but the Hades Town got a lot of love at the Tonys this year. Um. Of course, I'm biased. Of course, I think prom should have. I thought the the story uh, deserved, um, and the performances I think, but certainly the story I think deserved more love from the Tonys that it that it got. Didn't get any, and it should have gotten far more love for it. Hades Town is a wonderful show, and Hades. Uh, I get the whole Hades Town thing. It's a it's a lot of eye candy with it. It is a Broadway show. You know, there's a lot more. And what, I'm, what I mean by I can is spectacle. There's, there was a lot more spectacle on stage uh, with Hadestown. And here we were. We were something sort of old-fashioned, sort of throwback. Uh, wasn't a ton of glitz or projections or things. Just easy, basic sets. And, and the story was the thing that, was, that was, prime, was primary, that was put forward more so than all of the other elements that go into making a Broadway show. Town had all the other elements. I mean, it's a story, you know, Morpheus, you've heard that that story's been done before, but it was the lights and the sound and the costuming and, and all of that. And so I get, I get it, I get it. I mean, very, very similar in a way to sort of like Moulin Rouge. Again, it's a, it's a highly entertaining show. It's very, very sexy. And, you know, it's what people were into. It's the thing that, that turned them on the most. Uh, but the prom had its very, very dedicated and, and, and rabid fan base. It just wasn't enough to keep it, keep it running. So, yeah, I'm biased. Prom should have won. What was it like working with Beth Level? Because <sighs> I thought that that was one of the <sighs> best dynamics I've ever seen on stage I, between the I two of you. just adore, love Beth Level. Absolutely adore her. Wasn't expecting that. I'd never, uh, never worked with her before, and had and didn't really know her work up to that point. And it was an odd thing because this was a show that they had been working on for years prior to it coming to Broadway. These were roles shaped around them. I was the newcomer. I came in in the last year when they were reworking the role, and so there was already this family and this this core of the Broadway people. And so I had to find, how do I find my way in, into that? Will this work? And, uh, and we did. I think we hit it off. And because she was so generous as a performer as well, she was present, which is, you know, that's what you live for. Certainly what I live for as an actor is that the, the people you're actually speaking to on stage are actually listening to you and, and taking it in and responding in kind. And she did that. Um, you know, and it goes without saying, she's extraordinary to watch. You look at it going, you've got to be kidding. So a lot of those things in that scene where I'm clapping and applauding like mad after she does that ladies improving, that's just me, just in awe. Like, you really are, you're the real deal. You're pretty extraordinary. You're the real deal. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. Beautiful woman, beautiful human being. It was easy. It really was. 
Alan, you like that's one of your favorite numbers in the show too, if I recall. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Did you see closing? Were you there for closing? No, night? no, still, still shooting. I was there for the final performance, and it, I mean, there are clips of it all over the internet, which, yeah. which I'm sure you saw. But it's like it was like a five minute show stopping oh, applause. Oh yeah. oh yeah, just went oh, yeah. on forever. I could watch yeah. that number. Like th- there's something. To your point of being there, being present in the moment, she she just delivered that as if it was the first time she was doing it every single night. Every and it was night. something different. It was always different. It was so good. No, she's she's honestly, she's the real deal. There's no question about that. I'm so excited to see her in Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd work with Beth Level again and again and again and again in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, she's she's top of my list. You talk about connection to the audience, and of course, you sang the song "We Look to You," which mm-hmm. is really like a love letter to theater. That must have been pretty cool for you. Yeah, it was. It's a, it was a very very sweet song. Um, in my head, you know, and, and I guess my, people might fault me for not playing to the audience enough <laughs> <laughs> that I should play to the house more. But in my mind, that was a love letter. That that was all about uh, Dee Dee. For me. And so that's about being in the moment and playing the character for me. I was like, this is my love song to you because I'm falling in love or I've fallen in love with you. And if I do that, my, my belief is I do that well and I show that, then it will resonate. The audience will get it. I mean, I know certainly <coughs> looking at it on the page what the intention of it was. I know I am singing about uh, the relationship between the audience and a great show and a great story. But as as the performer, it had to be for me about Principal Hawkins and Dee Dee. I'm curious to get your take on this about maybe I guess the way that they're teaching certain performers, you know, coming up through the pike. Uh, have you seen a big change in technique over the years that you know has either you know in some ways pleased you, in some ways you know upset you a bit, being the pro you are? Yeah. I'm not going to fault teachers. I don't. I, I don't know if it, it's the teacher, and I don't want to to bash millennials or students students coming up. I've done my fair share of teaching, um, and the last bit of teaching, I, I just felt some of the young actors were more focused on what their brand was and less so on craft. Um, in my mind, that there was a lack of curiosity about what you were doing. Uh, about what they were doing and not asking enough questions. Um, and there was a thing, and, and I'm not going to bash one technique over the other, but there was this notion, I don't know if this is really a technique, but this notion of if you just say the lines, the audience will get the character. That basically character is created in the mind of the audience that the actor doesn't really create anything. He or she just says the lines and the audience creates. And I have a huge problem with that because in my mind, then I don't need an actor. I can do that myself by reading a novel or a book. I don't have to pay whatever Broadway prices are to see an actor stand there and and just say the words and not imbue them with anything more, with a greater understanding or depth uh, of what they're saying without having specific objectives or an action. Uh, which I think is incumbent upon you as an actor. If you get on stage, you do have to do something. You just don't stand there. And uh, I've been finding that or seeing that happening more and more and more. Uh, I think with some, not all, but with far too many young actors, this notion that, I'm, I'm, in fact, I've had two students in the past tell me that same thing. You didn't get it, I thought, if I just said it, you'd get it. So what the, Alan, you're, you have an acting background. Was anyway, it no. like this when you were coming through the system? No, no. For, uh, I, I disagree. I mean, I, I, I'm i in your camp that I think part of part of what the actor's job is to do is to bring the intent, to bring the backstory. And I, I think some of my favorite conversations I've had are with people in ensembles who have created this entire world for this unnamed <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, un, unspoken <laughs> character of why they're there, what they're doing, why they're selling flowers, why they're talking to that person. Like, that's part of the fun for, for doing it eight times a week, or that's to keep it fun, but also yeah. for the audience. Like, who is this person? 
What did they do before they just walked on stage? Absolutely. Yeah, otherwise Ab- it's just the stale absolutely. thing. I mean, and it's like, you know, it requires work. It requires work. It requires discipline. And I don't know. We can blame everything on social media. <laughs> you can become an Insta star. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you get enough followers or what have you. Um, uh, we have examples of it. So uh, I don't know. Uh, there is the lure. People want to be stars. They want to be famous. They want to be seen. But shortcuts. People are, even former students who have told me, you know, said, I keep hoping you'll say something that'll just <laughs> make it happen that I'll just get it and I'll know what to do. And I, I'm, I'm always having to remind that you, you, you do realize this career that I have, I didn't have it right out of school. What you're seeing now has been 20 you know, some odd years, 20 plus years in the making. So I don't know why you think that it's going to happen for you in a year, six months. Some, sometimes they're the a little deaf to that part. Um. And, you know, it's hard. I guess you don't want to hear that it's going to be tough, that it may not happen right away and that you may have to work very, very hard and sacrifice a great deal to kind of get where you'd like to be. You've accomplished so many big things. Is there one passion project or is there something that you've yet to do that that would just be a dream come true for you and be like, hey, I did it? Mm. No, no, no. I, you know, I'm, because I've been asked this before a, a number of times, and this is the way I see it. If I get to do that thing, what then? <laughs> Does that mean I'm done? <laughs> well, no, not even in the sense that I you're mean, done. There, there, there's so many other great. I've been fortunate enough. I've gotten to play a, some some great, great roles. Uh, and be a part of some great projects, and I, which tells me that there are more great roles out there, more great projects yet to come. And so I try to keep myself open. I just want to do the next great thing. I want to have the next great experience because this is, you know, it's my bliss. It's the thing I want to do. So I'm just looking for the next great one. Whenever I was asked, this, I was asked that question in grad school, I remember saying, you know, in all my self-regard, I said, you know what, I want to play Oedipus. And I want to play all three. I don't want to just do Rex. And I, I want to do all three of them. That would do it for me. And I got out of school, and within five years, I had done all three. So it's like, okay, now now what? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I've peaked. And it's uh, it's not that. It's not that. Uh, um, I'm still I'm still still very very hungry. You know that was that, and I'm grateful for it. But it's always like, what's what next? What's what's going to turn me on next? What's going to excite me? What's the what's the next big challenge uh, for me? So I know. So I don't have any one. It's just what's the next what's the next mountain <laughs> to climb? <laughs> How high can I get? Yeah, that's you know, great. What am I going to see when I get up here? I, first of all, we can't wait to see what that is. Before that, Michael, I talked earlier and we've talked about what you've done that's so great and how you got there, but I've got something really challenging in store for you. Oh, no. Okay. I want you to visualize this. It's the ninth inning. There's two outs. You've got to bring home the winning runs here. All right. We're going to play a little game called Fastball Derby. <laughs> oh, no. oh, okay. God help me. So, Fastball Derby, think of it like this. Hey, Angie got through it, the former castmate. Well, she got through one piece. Angie's sharp. She's smart <laughs> like that. She knows this stuff. <laughs> it's, hey, they just think of it like this. You know, all the pressure's on the line. I ask you a question. You say the first thing that comes to you. Give us some more insight into Michael Potts okay. this way, all right? Let's see. Most challenging role you've ever had to play? Ooh, oh, oh, uh, 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 the, the the priest in Mother Courage. If you were a baseball player, which position would you be and why? Uh, left field, uh, because very little comes out that way. <laughs> <laughs> Safest position for me. <laughs> Favorite New York City meal? 
Oh, oh, uh, uh, uh. Oh, I, I have a lot of them. I would say uh, Del Posto, the the hundred layer lasagna from Del Posto's. That's it. That sounds phenomenal. Yeah, yeah it is pretty phenomenal. Most fun actor or actress you've ever gotten to work with? <laughs> Most fun. Ooh, um, um, actor or actress? Mm -hmm. Josh Gann. He's absolutely nuts. He keeps you laughing on stage or off. You have no idea where it's coming from, when it's coming, but he always gets you. Yeah. Probably not surprised. It's nice to see that he's had this big film career. Oh, I'm not, now su too. not surprised. Not surprised. Most embarrassing on stage moment? <laughs> uh, well, it happens. It's happened a couple of times, but I would say it happened in the prom where I said half my line and I couldn't remember the rest. No, no. It was I'm supposed to be looking at the computer and we're, I'm supposed to tell them how many views Emma's video has gotten. And it's supposed to be six million. And so I, I went, six. <laughs> choked and couldn't couldn't finish. Christopher Seaver had to whisper to me, million. <laughs> I couldn't remember six million. I just got out six. That's it. That's that's it. That happens. That happens every now and then. You got you you say one line and you can't remember the rest of it. Gone. I got nothing. Right. Help, help. <laughs> you probably played it off to the audience just fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Favorite late night snack? Two show day at the Long Acre. You get home. It's after midnight. What's Michael Potts grab before he hits the couch? Wine. <laughs> Red or white? Red. All right. There we go. <laughs> Proudest moment of your career? Oh, um... Uh, when my mom and the whole family came up to yell in my third year and saw my last show. And she got it. That moment when she finally got it. How does she feel now? Well, well, she passed five years ago. I'm very sorry. But she was a very, very proud theater mom <laughs> <laughs> by the end of it. You know, she, she... She was gung-ho for things I thought she would never. I really thought this very religious woman, I could not bring her to the Book of Mormon. And she came and she had the best time. So, yeah, I think that was it. Lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you and what was it? <clears throat> best anyone ever gave me. Um... Well, <laughs> I guess would 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 be Earl Gister, acting teacher, um, which I try to remember a lot. And he would say, if they don't get it, you know, he had tracheotomy. Says if they don't get him and they don't get you, they don't appreciate it. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> And that'll be our first exploded rated episode of Break a Bat. I love it. <laughs> That's right, though. You got to stay true to yourself. Not enough people do. And I think that, and listen, I'm a millennial technically, but yeah. with this age of social media and whatnot, yeah. not enough people are, re are really, you know, being pure to their truths. And I think that everything you talked about today, you know, it, it really hits home. It, it really does. You well, know? So. well, thank you. Thank you. That was awesome, wasn't it, Alan? Totally. I, I really enjoyed that one. Oh, yeah. oh, good. Well, we can't wait. I to never know. <laughs> <laughs> I just like okay. <laughs> you said you wanted to interview me. Good, good luck. Hope you, you got something you can use. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty and then some. Now, Michael, where can everyone find you on social media if they want to keep abreast of what you're Ooh, doing? Oh, well, they probably, <laughs> it'll bore them to tears because <laughs> I'm really terrible at it. You can find me uh, on Instagram, mpot 62 Awesome. Or Twitter, uh, Michael Potts NYC. 
Wonderful. Don't look for a lot of posting. No. <laughs> I know. I'm just not that interested. <laughs> well, I'm sure our audience today certainly found uh, plenty of interesting things and then some. And uh, listen, it's it's been such an honor to sit and talk with you today. I it can't my thank pleasure. you enough. No, thank you. Thank you. I and appreciate it. Fantastic. Well, that'll close out the ball game here on Break of Bat with my producer, Alan Seals, signing off. Signing off. We'll see you next time, folks. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.